Well, we've been doing a series called The Reckoning, and we've really been asking ourselves a sort of personal question. Do I have a life filled to the fullness of God? Um, it's a bit of a probing question, isn't it? Because it's, it's sort of narrowing down. Well, the answer's pretty straightforward, isn't it? I'm either on fire, living for God the way that he designed me to, or I've got less than that. And living with less than that will have consequences. Because our lives won't be fulfilled. We won't feel satisfied. We won't feel like we're connected to God the way that we should be. And this has been our, um, our guiding verse. I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the believers to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. What an incredible verse. Out of his glorious riches, he wants to strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So all this is by faith. It's an, it's an exercise of faith. And so Paul's saying, and he prays that being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the saints, all the believers. So this is not for, for pastors or ministers or for a select few. It's for every believer to walk in the fullness of God. It's, it's God's design for every one of us. It's not some hierarchy that we get to after 20 years. We're supposed to walk in the fullness of God. Day by day, month by month, year by year. That's what God designed for us to do. And we can probably describe that in another way. We could probably ask the question, does my life reflect intimacy with the Father, Son and Holy Spirit? Do I know the Father God loves me? Do I know that Jesus died on the cross for me? And do I have a, have a relationship in my inner being, in my, in my spirit, with the Holy Spirit? Am I intimate with God? We could say it another way. Does my life reflect victory over sin in the flesh? Has my life been transformed in such a way that I'm not like a pagan anymore? I'm not bound up by all the mistakes and failures that I used to walk in, but I've got victory over those things. I've broken the bad habits. I don't have those fleshly desires anymore. They're not controlling my life anymore. I'm free from those. I walk in victory that God wants for me. We could describe it perhaps another way. Does my life reflect a life of purpose and intent? Am I living for God? Or have I worked out my own career and my own plans? Am I living for myself or am I serving God? It's not a difficult question. God has a design and a plan for your life and you've either discovered that and are walking in it or you're walking in rebellion or disobedience or ignorance to what God has for you. There's huge consequences for that. Huge consequences. You can't push your way in life and go that way when God's calling you to go this way. You're going to end up empty and hollow and unsatisfied. Perhaps we could ask the question another way. Does my life reflect the life of prosperity in the sense of, do I have an attitude in my life of joy, of peace, 
of generosity or when, when my non-Christian friends look at me, do they just say, well, you're not indifferent to me. You're anxious. You're worried. You've got a foul mouth. You, you're no different to me. Where's the difference? I don't know what Bible you read, but the Bible, I says that we're called out of the world. And Paul says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch the things of the world anymore. Leave them alone. And there's this sort of trend in Christianity at the moment that you can walk right along the edge. You know, you can, you can adapt your lifestyle so that, you, you know, your mates don't think you're a wowser anymore. No, there should be a marked difference about us. We shouldn't be worry warts. We should be people of peace. We shouldn't be bound up with anxiety and fears. We should be free. We should have a life of prosperity. People should look at our life attitude and go, what has Russell got? Look, the way he handles situations, the way that he operates in life, the way he speaks to his wife, the way he operates his family, there's something radically different. That's the end result of the fullness of God being worked out in his life. You know, we could ask it another way. Does my life reflect freedom and abundance? Like, am I still bound up in abuse and cycles that are just destructive? You know, God had a design for us to walk out of darkness into light. And as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then the love of God overflows through our life. And all those things that were once a stumbling block to us should be defeated and under our feet. And we should be set free to live a life that's not all consumed by our own problems and our own selfishness, but it sets us in a place where we can serve, serve the world. Serve like Jesus did. For the Son of Man came to what? To say, oh, look at me, woe is me. No, he came to seek and serve. So we can't serve others when we're bound up and we're not free. So the fullness of God is all those things. But this morning I want to take it a slightly different tack because I don't think that you can truly understand the fullness of God unless you understand the kingdom of God. The two dovetail together when you understand the king and his dominion and your place in his kingdom and the mandate and the commission of his kingdom and you submit to his lordship his kingship and you live your life out like that you will have authority and power if you don't live in submission to the king of kings and the lords of lords then you won't have purity and you won't have power it's god's formula Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that we worry about will disappear. They'll just be added to us because our number one priority is the kingdom of God. It's the central theme of the New Testament. 55 times the phrase kingdom of God appears. It's the thing that Jesus first started teaching about. It was the last thing he talked about after his resurrection, before his ascension. Acts says that he spent 40 days with the disciples teaching them about the kingdom of God. It was the core of his teaching. Repent because the kingdom of God is here. So I don't know how far we can get unless we understand the kingdom and our place in that kingdom because it encompasses all of who God is and his eternal purposes. It's to bring his kingdom. So the kingdom of God affects every aspect of life. 
It's political, it's social, it's economic, it's religious. It affects every aspect of our being. It affects our spirit, our soul, our body. It's personal, intimately personal for you, but it's global as well. And the kingdom of God impinges on the past. It impinges right now on the present and it has huge ramifications for the future. So when we get the kingdom of God and we get it in our hearts and in our heads, when we have a kingdom mindset, then the whole landscape of our lives and what our lives are for and what God's called us to do changes. It's just an incredible topic. So if we grasp a proper understanding of the dynamics of the kingdom, we will know the character of the king. That King Jesus is this type of a God. We'll also know the nature of his kingdom. We'll know the extent of his authority and dominion. We'll know the decrees and the will of our king. I'll know my rights and my responsibilities as a citizen of his kingdom. I'll know what's rightfully mine to possess and I'll know what the king's desire is for my life and I'll know how to be obedient to the king. And I'll know the king's design and destiny for my life. So the kingdom of God is directly linked to living in God's fullness. It's the framework in which the fullness of God occurs. We're surrounded by the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. It's in you. Let's have a look at this a bit deeper. Kingdom. Break it up. Two words. Kingdom. Dom is dominion. King. The king. The foundation of the king's throne is righteousness and justice. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So there's a link between the kingdom of God and doing the right thing, the righteous thing, a pure thing. There's a link between purity and power. And Christians try to jump the purity and go straight from understanding the kingdom to having power. If you don't have power, it's, not, it's because you're not living in purity. You can't jump that one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His purity, his right way of living. And when you live the right way, you live in the boundaries of God's kingdom and power can flow. If you live outside the kingdom of God and you mess around with things of the world, if you're sleeping with a partner out of wedlock, if you're trying to do all these things and amalgamate that with the kingdom of God, you have set yourself up to be the most miserable person on the face of the planet because you have two kingdoms that are colliding. You have to live a righteous life. There's no other way to do it because the king is a righteous king. So therefore his kingdom reflects his character and nature. God is a God of love. He's a God of justice, a God of righteousness, a God of peace, joy, patience. And so his kingdom reflects the character of the king. So if we had Saddam Hussein, what sort of a king was he? Cruel and vicious. And what was the reflection in his kingdom? Oppression, murder, you know, so the king, our king, is a righteous, holy, loving God. And that gives us incredible encouragement because we know what type of king we're submitting to and whom we're serving. He's a king who has our best interests at heart. And if he says, here is my decrees, here's the way I want you to live, and we go, I'm not listening to you, I'll do it my own way, then what we've said is our king is not wise. And he's not sovereign and he doesn't know the best for us. So his loving character determines the type of kingdom rule. He rules out of love. He's benevolent. He's gracious. He loves us. 
He's given his life for us. He's merciful. He's just. And any king requires the obedience of his citizens to govern and protect them. And the beautiful thing about God's kingdom is it's the very best for us. There's no doubt about that. There's no debate about it. God's kingdom is perfect. And his kingdom wants to break into our life and give us those glorious riches. So we can submit to Christ as our king over our lives because his attributes and his nature ensure our very best well-being. That's the beauty of it. I don't have to come to God in fear. I don't have to come to King Jesus and be be concerned about what he's going to call me to do in life because I know his character as a king is that he's got the best for me. And if he comes and says, Mark, I want you to go to Africa. I want you to be my ambassador in Africa. I don't have to be fearful of what resources I'm going to have or not have because if my king says go, if that's the commission and I obey, then is he going to set me up to fail? Because his nature is a nature of love and provision. Lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. And so we've got to get this in us. I'm serious. We've got to get this in us. This is fundamental to Christian life. If you do not understand the kingdom of God, you will not break through. You will not live a life of victory. You will flounder. You will flounder. You've got to understand this. The king is the king of kings, not just any king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There's no debate about his sovereignty and his power. It is absolute. And that's for us to receive. That's the beauty of God's kingdom. It's only ever exercised in love. Add on to the king his dominion. Dominion. The title of king entitles you to an authority to rule. So the king of England or the queen of England can rule over the geographic territory that's under her rule, Australia. Why? Because we're a British colony. Okay? But the kingdom of God, Jesus said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, there's no place in this universe where Jesus hasn't subjugated everything. He has complete authority over everything. Now that is a key concept for us to understand because nothing exists outside his subjugation. We are his subjects, but we're not responding out of being subjugated by force. We're responding out of being subjects who are in partnership with the king of kings to extend his kingdom. There's a radical difference. Jesus doesn't force his kingdom upon us. He invites us into it, not on the basis of just surrender, but on the basis of surrender and then partnership with him because we are co-heirs with King Jesus, co-heirs with Christ. That's an incredible concept to understand that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has seated us in the heavenly realms as co-heirs and he has given us authority. What authority? The same authority that is his. All authority in heaven and on earth. It's a radical concept. It's a huge concept because Jesus disarmed all the powers and authorities that were against him and he made a public public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. So any authority that set itself up against God as a rival kingdom, Jesus defeated it. 
he demonstrated his victory over it. And therefore, God the Father gave him all authority in heaven and on earth. So because we understand who the king is, his character and his nature and his kingdom and the power and the influence and the sovereignty of that kingdom, we align ourselves to that king. You'd be an idiot not to. You'd be a fool. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. There is a God, King Jesus. And he came and he rules and he reigns today. And his kingdom has broken in. And he's called us into partnership with that breakthrough to advance the kingdom of God. Where is Jesus? Seated at the right hand of the Father. So how does his kingdom advance? Through those individuals who get it that we have been vested with the authority and power of Christ to act on earth. It's a fundamental principle of Christianity. If you get that, if you understand that one simple concept, nothing can stop you. It doesn't matter if you're a fisherman who doesn't know anything about God. If you know that God has given his power to you, then you can do anything. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there sickness in heaven? So what is God's will on earth? So if I've got someone sick in front of me, how can I pray? <laughs> With great authority and belief and faith. Why? Because that's the formula that God has given to us. We give our allegiance not because we are subjugated, not just because we're under God's thumb, we respond because he's a God of love who calls us into relationship. He said, I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters. I don't feel like a medieval feudal, you know, guy out in the fields working hard on a plow. I feel like a son in the kingdom of God. I know what my inheritance is. I know what God has given me. And that changes how you view the world. It changes how you live. It changes everything. Because it is everything. Seek first the kingdom of God. And if I'm seeking that kingdom, I cannot go wrong. Because I'm a priest in the kingdom. I'm a co-heir with Christ and I'm a son of God. And I know that my God loves me. And he has the very best for me. And he's calling me into obedience and to walk a righteous life because he knows that when I live that way, his power and authority can flow through me. And I can be Jesus. And greater things I can do than he did because I understand my authority. It's not Mark Wilson's authority. It's Christ's authority given to me, vested in me. Now, if I was, a, if I was an English knight... And, and I'd done great things for my king. He would summon me to the, to, the, to the hall of his kingdom and he would set me in front of him and he'd pull out his, his sword and he would knight me. He would bestow upon me a title and a reward. We don't get rewards from God because of what we've done. We get rewards because of repentance and faith. So you don't earn the right to have authority, you are given the right to have authority. It's a free gift from God. You cannot earn it. It doesn't have to be earned. Do you get what I'm saying? This is so simple. 
It is so simple, but it's so profound. I've never known a concept that, has, that can be understood at such a simple level and yet has incredible depth to it. Because the kingdom of God just goes on forever. We could do 52 sermon series in a year and just still be scratching the surface. Because Jesus tried to describe it. He said the kingdom of God is like a man who discovers a treasure in a field. And he goes and he sells everything just to have that field because he knows what the treasure is. He gets it. He gets what he can lay his hands on. He gets the resources of heaven are his to take from and use in his life. And if we can get that mindset as the prevailing mindset in our minds, we won't be weak-willed Christians. We will know that we have power and authority. And I believe that's why the disciples were such powerful people. Not because they were educated, because they weren't. They understood the kernel of the concept that Jesus had bestowed on them his power and authority. He demonstrated it to them and then he said to them, I'm giving this to you. You what? You're giving us, how does that work? But you're God, I'm giving it to you. I'm bestowing it upon you, but I don't deserve it. You're right, you don't. But I'm choosing as God to partner with you. Now that blows my mind. The very fact that I'm standing here this morning trying to describe to you the kingdom of God is just senseless to me. What do I know about the kingdom of God? But that's God's way. It's weird, and yet it's wonderful. Right across the world this morning, men, frail, weak, finite men, are standing in front of other people trying to explain this concept to them. I don't get that. Because in a sense, it's unfathomable. But in our finite human minds, if we can get this, if we can get this one little simple concept, nothing stops us. It's just amazing. Because Jesus has power and authority and he gave that away. Then Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach what? The kingdom of God. Why? Because it's the fundamental concept of Christianity. And if we can get it, look out world. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. And that tells me the disciples went out because they understood the mandate. They understood the necessity of preaching the kingdom of God, that there is an eternal hope, that you don't have to live your life in misery, that there's an answer to poverty, that there's an answer to everything that lies in the kingdom because of the king and because of the nature of our king. He's a king of love and he wants to bless us, but he wants us to position ourselves where we can be blessed, which is in righteousness, in purity. We've got to walk in purity. So understanding the transference of God's power entrusted to me and to you means what we think, what we say, or what we do in the name of the king unlocks the fullness of God. Do you get that? I can take from heaven right now and bring it and make it happen on earth. Why? Because I have some special powers? Because I've been to Bible college? No, because what? I understood the concept that God gave me that authority. 
And that authority flows harder and faster the more you live in purity and the more that you live a righteous life. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So there is this link. We try to jump into the power of God. God, give me the power. I want the power. But the power works out of purity because the power without purity is a dangerous weapon. But the power with purity means that it will be exercised through love and through grace and through mercy. And you won't be a dangerous Christian. You'll be a submissive Christian under the authority of God who acts when God asks us to act. So if a king bestows his royal authority onto a citizen, that pronouncement grants the right to act on the king's behalf. You understand that concept? If the king says... Shannon, I'm appointing you as my spokesman over this nation. What you say is as good as me saying it. You can go anywhere you want. Thus saith the king. Bow down. Thus saith the king. Because he has conferred his power and authority onto you. You represent him. You are not him, but you represent him. And you can act on on his behalf. So if a knighthood is earned, God's bestowment is just given without merit or favor. That's what we don't get. Why would God choose us? Because we understood the secret of the kingdom of God. It was given to you to understand. Do you know how many people have heard about the kingdom of God and they've just walked away, their lives unchanged, not impacted at all? Why? Because they didn't get the secret. You've understood it, I hope. Because if you haven't, go home. Don't waste your time and don't waste God's time. If you have not understood that you have the keys to the kingdom of God, you are wasting God's time because he's entrusted you with a key. What do keys do? Unlock what? If God gives you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, what have you unlocked? Exactly. What happens in the kingdom of heaven? Radical things, right? You've got the keys. It's no good standing at the front door saying, I can't get in. You've got a key and God's given it to you. He's entrusted it to you. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Teaching them everything that I've taught you about the kingdom and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. The king has promised you that, all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples. Like, it's just simple. God has conferred his power on us. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore... Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. It's time we stand up in our workplaces. Don't hide behind the fact that you're a Christian. Wear it loud and wear it proud because you're a son in the kingdom. I am tired of hearing people say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to behave. That is rubbish. You are a You are a son of the king. Stand up and use the power God's given you. I am not ashamed of the gospel because 
Because what? It is the power of God until salvation. How are people going to know? Unless we teach them. We don't have to stand on a pulpit and be legalistic, but live your life out in love. Stand up and say there is a righteous way. It's God's way. And when we honor God's way, we're blessed and we're highly favored. But when we hide in the shadows, don't expect God's power to come. We've got to stand up and we've got to stand out. Since the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing and violent people lay hold of it. The kingdom of God is not a fluffy little toy. It's the authority of God breaking in. Breaking into this world where sin reigns. But where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. That's the beauty of the gospel, the thing that we hold on to. It is the ultimate power and authority. And it's been entrusted to little old you and me to rise up in the authority that's ours. It's not how you feel. It's who you are. It's where you've been positioned. It's the title that you've been given by God himself. He has declared that you are his son or his daughter. Therefore, you have every right. Because out of all the billions of people on this earth, you had the humility to come and bow before the King of Kings and acknowledge your sin. And on the basis of that declaration by faith, God reconciled you to him, not counting your sins against you anymore. You're free, set free to worship, set free. So here's the key. It's all about the execution. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's the prevailing principle. You have the authority to stop things and you have the authority to release things and start things and proclaim things because the king's given you that authority and that right but also that responsibility. It's an incredible subject. We don't receive power and authority to represent and extend the kingdom of God because we are worthy or have earned the right for recognition and reward. But because God in his grace and his mercy raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms and that positioning isn't contingent on my knowledge, on my race, on my age, on my gender, on my status, on my wealth, but on a childlike submission and obedience to God's kingship. It's that simple. It really is that simple. If you hold the keys to the kingdom, then no door is closed to you. You have access to the resources of heaven. Everything the king has promised you is yours. Doesn't this stir your blood up? Like, like seriously. That's why 12 men who were just fishermen and tax collectors and not very educated, could change the world because they got this. They got it. I know that we say, oh yeah, but Jesus walked with them and they saw things with their eyes. But Jesus said that, that in the age that we were going to live in, being spirit-filled was a far greater blessing than walking in the flesh with Jesus. So we can't use that as an excuse because the kingdom of God is within you and the spirit of the living God is in here and he wants to use us and empower us. 
I think we're in trouble as, as a Western society for two reasons. Firstly, we live in a democracy, so we don't understand authority. We debate authority. You know, Mr. Rudd is our Prime Minister, but we tear him down. We don't respect his authority. We, we don't have a, a governmental framework where, where we have um, a person at the top who has dominion over us. We're not used to that concept because we were raised in a democracy. In the time of Jesus, when he talked about kingship, people got that. People were used to being told without debating or without having a voice. It wasn't a democratic society, but, but because we've been raised in democracy, I don't think we get the kingship because we've never lived under us. We've got to, we've got to understand that this is a theocracy that we, li- that we serve, that God is all-powerful. But you know what I think? I think we know too much, but we don't do enough. I think we've been taught way too much, way too much for our own good. We've become spiritual fat cats. Instead of exercising what we know, we're just building up libraries of knowledge that aren't translating into execution. I didn't, if this is new for you today, I'm sorry, but it shouldn't be. You know this. You've been taught it for probably 15, 20 years. It's, it's the execution that we struggle with. It's actually living with that kingdom mindset, with that kingdom vision, with that kingdom culture. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. We talk way too much. Even what we're doing here today is not a good dynamic. It's not because it teaches people just to build up a wealth of knowledge and we go home today and nothing changes. And if you come back next Sunday and you build up that knowledge but nothing happens that changes, you just get into this cycle. So we have all these Christians that have one foot in the world and one foot in the church and they are powerless. Why? Because you've never actually executed. You know, I can be the great, greatest cricket critic in the world sitting in my lounge room, you know, Watson's a useless batsman and Rogers, you know, he can't even hit a full toss. And, you know, it's easy to talk it. It's much harder to live it out. And God's calling us to live it out, to rise up and live it out. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and that's profound, when you're sold out for this kingdom, it's a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It's a kingdom that can never be torn down. It is the ultimate authority and power and and so it cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful that we're part of that kingdom. We know our eternal destiny. If we die today, we know where we're going. We know in this world of hardship and heartbreak and suicide and marriage breakdown and addictions and divorce and it's getting worse and worse and worse, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. We are above all of that. Why? Because we're not part of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our eyes are not on this world. We're just here for a season, just here for a time to do what? To proclaim the kingdom, to invite people in. It's rude of us. In fact, it's incredibly selfish that we don't share what we have. People need to hear it. In our workplaces, 
Everywhere we go, we need to teach and preach the kingdom of God because it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. Information without application breeds stagnation. There's too many stagnant believers. We've got to rise up. We've got to rise up. How do you rise up? The same way the apostles did. The spirit of the living God in your life, when he's enthroned, will give you boldness. When you understand, when you've been in a position where someone's eternal destiny has hit a fork in the road because you weren't obedient to doing what God said, that's the worst place you could ever get yourself into. God has commissioned us. In fact, he's mandated for us to go into all the world. And what? Preach the kingdom? Yes. Demonstrate the kingdom even more so. Demonstrate the power of God is real. Demonstrate that you serve a God who is almighty, for whom nothing's impossible. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your kingdom. That you are a king whom we can worship with reverence and awe, that we can be so incredibly grateful and, and just have hearts of gratitude for the type of king that you are. That you would call us, that you would redeem us, that you would love us the way that you do. That you would not hold our sins against us, that you would bestow upon us the grace and the favour that you have. Lord, we have every reason to worship I have a reason to worship. It's the king. It's who he is and it's what he's done and it's what he's going to do. We've read the book. We know what the end is, that his kingdom will break in and it will reign over this earth. And we thank you, Father, that we're part of that incredible kingdom of God. Lord, I want to thank you for your dominion. I want to thank you that you crush Satan and all these works and all these schemes on the cross, and we come to that cross and we are so thankful for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed because we know that that was where the victory was won and that you wear the victor's crown and that you've given us the rights and the privileges and the honour and the responsibility to serve you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to know that you've called us out by name and appointed us to serve you and to serve your kingdom and to proclaim your kingdom's favour, to set captives free, to bring healing, to bring sight to the blind, to raise up the dead, to cure disease, to drive out demons. Lord, all those things that we've seen and heard and that we've seen little bits of, we know that that's our destiny when we walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God. So Father, today I want to pray that you would stir us up not to know more but to do more, to have a boldness, to have a courage, to live out our lives proclaiming the kingdom. Like Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God towards salvation. Today, Lord, my prayer is that you would stir us up
not let us get comfortable. Keep bringing that kingdom vision, that kingdom mindset, that kingdom culture. It's not about building catalysts. It's not about denominations. It's about your kingdom pushing out, advancing, breaking in where there's darkness, breaking in where there's hardship and bringing light and life. What an incredible privilege is ours. So Lord, don't let us hold back. Don't let us shrink back, but let us rise up today. Let us rise up in your power and your authority, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to stretch you a bit this morning to finish off. I want you to break up into twos. And I want you to share with that other person something about your physicality that you struggle with. So it could be an illness or it could be, you know, a sense of depression. Because if you have authority, then you can pray for that person, yes? So we're going to exercise some of that authority today and then let that person in return pray for you and you share something that you might struggle with in your physicality. You might have a bad back at times. You might get headaches. I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's anybody here that's got a perfect body, yeah? You're <laughs> not going to put your hand up and own that one, are you? But you know what I mean? We've all got needs. Let's exercise that authority here just as a simple way of saying, God, if we can do it here, we can do it anywhere. So find someone that you're comfortable with and ask them what it is that they'd like prayer for and pray. And pray with authority in the name of Jesus, your King, that he would bring breakthrough. And then let them pray for you and we'll finish up.